I'm Taffer. I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back. So for the fourth week of our graphic novel month, we are reading On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden, which is a graphic novel which began as a webcomic. And actually, you can read the full thing online, which is fun. Although you should also buy it because it's great. Yeah. So this is a, I would call this, I put this in the realm of space opera, this graphic novel. Um, I first started reading it. It was recommended to me by my partner who... Uh, is very into graphic novels uh, because it is it has some thematic elements in common with one of my favorite uh, books, which is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, in that it is very gay and it is about a bunch of people on a spaceship becoming found family. Yeah, it's very gay and it's about fan family on a spaceship, <laughs> which you know, are things that I like. I think that... It's not it's not quite a shit book for me, but like it definitely ticks some of the boxes because there's something about the like small vessel found family storyline that is so compelling. Yeah, and it is like it's something that you get in both ship books and spaceship books because it is it's all about this sort of like you have this group of people together and they are the only people in each other's lives and so you get this sort of like cool dynamic that emerges. Mm-hmm. So, quick synopsis, the main character um, of the book is Mia, who we, well, we get, we get sort of two storylines, which is both the past and the present storyline of Mia. So we get the storyline of her um, sort of grade nine year, so her first year of high school at this, um, like, flying boarding school we we get the sort of general impression that in this world uh, most of this world is just made up of sort of flying buildings in space and so Mia grows up going to this uh, this prestigious girls boarding school I was just gonna say like in terms of world building it's really interesting because we kind of get the sense that it is like so far in the future that like there's not even any like mythology of earth really or like the earth is mythology but it's not not even as much as like in say firefly where there's like earth that was that they talk about it it's really just like everybody just lives on spaceships and it's just kind of accepted Mm -hmm. which is something that graphic novels can do Uh yeah it's the world building in this is very interesting because there's not a lot of exposition it's sort of just things that you like glean um but it's very fun also all of the spaceships are fish which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so we get the we get in flashbacks kind of the story of Mia's 
uh, first year of high school at this boarding school where she becomes friends with and eventually develops a romance with this new student uh, whose name is Grace, who we get the idea from the beginning is a little bit kind of out of place in this school, a little bit different from everybody else, and we don't really know why. Um, and then at the same time, we also um, are getting the sort of present storyline, which is Mia about five years later, so she's kind of just graduated high school, um, and has joined the crew of this small spaceship that flies around the galaxy, um, repairing and restoring old buildings. Um, and so we gradually get to know her four crewmates, and she gradually starts to sort of form relationships with them. Yeah, and then there's there's lots more, but that's the that's the kind of setup. So I I really did love this book. Because um, again, it's it ticks all my boxes. It's also visually very beautiful, and I think I want to start by talking about it as a graphic novel because I mm-hmm. think it um, it does really interesting things with the visual medium. Yeah, we we talked a lot about um, like graphic novels and language, talking about Himawari House uh, last week. But this, I feel like, kind of picks up on some of those strains of like visual information in ways that are really, really cool. Like you said, like the world building comes from kind of gleaning details. Yeah, and one of the other things that I found really interesting about this, I actually, like, when I was first reading this book, I, like, had a little bit of trouble getting into it because... I often have a bit of trouble in graphic novels because I'm so used to reading print novels where like everything is laid out for you in text and I worry that I'm like missing things or like failing to interpret things properly um, with graphic novels. And this is also just, I mean, anybody who knows me is probably rolling their eyes. But this is something that like sometimes I have trouble with with graphic novels is like worrying that I'm like missing things that I like should be catching in the pictures Mm. and so I did find this book a little bit hard to get into at first because there's a lot of imagery that's like a little bit ambiguous um in this book there's a lot of images that it's like what exactly is going on Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of very kind of like almost impressionistic in a way scenes but as I got more into it and kind of realized it's like oh this is this is intentional like you're not necessarily supposed to know exactly what's happening um and it's kind of like a visual representation of like fractured memory and trauma and various mental health things that kind of blur our ability to remember things or even perceive things precisely. Um, The work with color is really amazing. Were you about to say that? I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I was just about to say, and yeah, like I like how, I like how the author uses this sort of abstract images to kind of convey things about perception and memory and yeah like the way that we interact with reality the use of scale as well like this is also something we talked about last week but like the use of scale the use of perspective um Mm -hmm. really gives you senses of like this this moment you know when you're in your early teens I felt like there was a really strong sense of sort of like how you're constantly yo-yoing between feeling like an adult and feeling like a child. And I feel like the way she plays with perspective really, really 
cements that like yeah. in a way that's really cool i also i i read this as um a web comic Mm-hmm. Which was fun because I used to read web comics a lot back in like the web comic heyday. There are a few that I still read, like Oh Joy Sex Toy, obviously. We've talked about that a billion times. Um, but there was something really neat about going back to like a narrative form web comic. And I'm, I'm thinking about this reading a long form web comic is already a nostalgic act for me. And so reading Mm. one that also deals with this sort of experience of being a teenager in a way that's so, like, immediately impactful. Um, Because, like, the thing that I've been appreciating in reading these graphic novels is that there's an emotional nuance to receiving visual information that you don't get in in a novel, Mm -hmm. in just prose. And... You get a different emotional nuance. It's not like better or worse, but it's definitely a different dimension of emotion that you get. It's much more immediate. It kind of gets right to you. And uh, yeah, it was really powerful. But for me, especially the use of color, there's sort of a, a, a few rotating color palettes that indicate different times and different moods and um, and it's really effective. Yeah, the color is gorgeous in this. Uh, it's just—it's a really visually and stylistically beautiful, beautiful novel, and there is so much emotion in the in the drawings, which mm-hmm. I really love. Yeah, it's 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 just gorgeous. Like it's very it's very beautiful and very like it's definitely a graphic novel that like could not have been done in the same way without the imagery absolutely Um, yeah yeah and and i really love that moving more towards sort of like characters and plot and stuff um it's gay it's it's gay as hell so gay everything in it is gay like the fish are gay space is gay boarding school is gay cults are gay everything's gay everything Everything this is the gayest possible story like, I came out of this book being unclear as to whether there are any straight people in this I world. I think this is a world where there are no straight people. I think this is a gay world. Because, like, everybody... I don't think we actually meet a man in the course of this this whole book. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and, yeah, well, all like, fish everybody... Are men. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, all, fish, all fish are men. So in a world... <laughs> fish men. Anyway... Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like Mia and and Grace, who she who she falls in love with, are very gay. And then the um, the sort of like house mothers of the spaceship um, are also a very sweet, like gay older gay couple. Other. Yeah, and and we learn uh, that Mia has two moms. Um, so I'm just, I'm very unclear. And when we meet Grace's family, it's also all women. Um, I feel like I heard somebody describe this as a world in which men did not exist. Like, I yeah. think that may be an established part of the canon. Yeah, I I think that it might be. Uh, like, the only, the only not woman that we meet is Elliot, who is non-binary. And yeah, so also love that there's a non-binary character. Um, Established from the beginning, just like, oh, by the yeah. way. And also, this character is also non-verbal, which is cool uh, representation. And um, just, yeah, like the way that different 
sort of people and identities and ways of being are kind of treated by the other characters in this book is really like lovely and i'm going to use what you all know by now is my favorite word uh which is it's just it's very tender <laughs> bailey i don't think i've ever heard you use that word <laughs> but it is it is um mm-hmm. there's particularly i want to in thinking about like how i really like how like the the kind of care and love between the different characters is portrayed is there's a there's a scene that happens like later on in the book that I want to just think about briefly which is at one point something happens and the crew of the ship um ends up being put under the command of somebody else for a while and uh and you get you get the sense basically right away that they don't like this person um and it isn't um it isn't until like the basically like their time with with them is ending that you find out that the reason that they all hate her is like um even though she like replaced their old captain for a while like it's not that when she first came on they were like all ready to you know like best foot forward make the best of it um and then you learn that immediately upon coming in she just had no interest in trying to like respect or understand or accommodate the fact that Elliot was a non-binary and b non-verbal mm. um and that is why everybody hates her mm-hmm. um and i just i and there there's this really beautiful scene where one of the characters like confronts her and is like we like were so ready when you came here to like make the best of it and like give you a welcome even though like you were replacing our captain and but then you didn't want to try to like respect one of us and you didn't like care to learn Mm -hmm. um and like we're just asking you to do that and you you couldn't like find the will to do that and it's just a really beautiful scene Mm -hmm. it's like yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for a book that is sci-fi, like, very much in space, in spaceships, sweeping lots of, like, grand vistas and huge buildings and towering things, it's extremely intimate Mm -hmm. and extremely cozy. Um, Very cozy. Yeah, and, and really loving and warm. And yes, of course, like, that scene is such a wonderful example of chosen family doing what family should always do Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and like I also I feel like it's another sort of example of I think that this book does a really good job of like valuing people for what they are which is really cool um so there's one character who is she's sort of the first friend that Mia makes on the spaceship uh her name is Jules and she is the niece of like the acting the de facto captain of the ship and she's you get the idea that she's she's a little bit of a thorn in her aunt's side she's kind of all over the place she's not very serious uh but um through i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give it away because i want you all to go and read this book Mm -hmm. but there's there's a part sort of in the climax where um like we really get to see sort of like how like the way she is is like a really valuable and beautiful way to be and like allows her to connect 
in other ways, like with other beings, I'm just going to say uh, that, that other people don't know how to do. And it's just, it's really, I think it's a really beautiful book about sort of like meeting people where they are and valuing them for who they are, um, which is really, really lovely. What is more gay than that? <laughs> True. Again, just like everything about this book is very gay. Like all of the characters are gay, but all the values of this book are also very gay. It's lesbians piloting fish in space, guys. Like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, and it's just it. It's so beautiful. We we talk a lot about um like where are the parents in YA. This is tricky as YA, but like I've just found that it's kind of tricky doing graphic novels and YA distinctions because there's a lot more overlap around the categories. Yeah. Um, graphic novels are still a small enough genre that like there aren't as many subcategories, but it is youths, it is coming of age, um it is gay, mm-hmm. so I think by all like I like how I just made gay one of the prerequisites for something being YA. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sarah Dessen. You don't count anymore. Um, Get with the picture. No more John Green. You're out of the canon. We talk a lot about, like, where are the parents in YA. That's, like, one of our themes that comes up, along with casual Mm -hmm. queers casually existing and, like, what else? What are some of the other broad categories we hit here? Um, (laughs) But it doesn't say good. But um, Mm -hmm. what I like is, like, A, we do get a little bit of an investigation into where are the parents, which I I am not going to give away Mm -hmm. more than that, but we do, like, we actually get backstory on it. Yeah. And B, we get other people filling that vacuum. Yeah. It's not just teens existing in space alone. It's showing that people have a tendency to form networks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And people have a tendency to care for children. Um, Which is something I really do believe is true. Like, yeah. I know there are lots of awful things that happen, but I do think that fundamentally, like, when you see a child alone most people want to help no absolutely and i do yeah i like that about this it's like we we do we get some sense of like the parents exist um they're out there but also there are there are these other adults who are also available and um and loving like i particularly like how i'm gonna call this not really a spoiler towards the end of the book is when we find out how um Mia ended up on this spaceship to begin with we just we sort of get the sense that she was like a little bit like lost a little bit directionless and she was kind of sent here um and we get uh we find out in the end that it was one of Mia's teachers who kind of like noticed that she needed something and um and was like you know what I think I know this group of people who I think will be good for you and I really love that and I love I love like the idea of like helping people find their people and yeah it's just good it's just like cozy and good yeah yeah honestly like I don't know what I was expecting from this book I like went into this thinking think I think when I went into this, all I knew was it is lesbians in space in a world with no men. That's like, that's all I knew. And um, I had just no idea what to expect. (laughs) Um, 
And it was just a really lovely little gem. This is something I've been doing a lot in this series is kind of going into things knowing nothing about them. Like usually when Mm -hmm. we read YA novels, I've seen a bit of buzz about them online. I usually choose them or like am am heavily involved in choosing them. And I Mm -hmm. like will have seen them reviewed on Twitter or I'll have seen their authors talking about them or whatever. And this has been really fun because I have not really known anything going in except for the Graceland graphic novel obviously and it's been really fun yeah I actually really I that is one of the things that I love about reading for the podcast is I often end up reading things that I don't know very much about even this like I I had I had read part of it before we started reading it for the podcast but even then basically the only thing I knew about it was my partner was like I think you will like it it has a similar vibe to the long way to a small angry planet and it's very gay Mm -hmm. and I was like cool sounds good and there's there's something that's like very special and nice about diving into a book and really not knowing what's going to happen and just like seeing where it takes you it is and that is I think um one of the things I really liked about reading this as a webcomic is it reminded me of when I was reading Girls with Slingshots uh, which is an old webcomic like 10 years old now but I think is the first serial webcomic that I really like looked for updates every week and like I I followed it to the end I started reading it very early I followed it to the end it was like my first introduction to a lot of like sex positivity and queerness and things like that and there's something about reading a webcomic as it's coming up that really captures that like you don't know where the story is going Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, uh, Girls with Slingshots was, like, much more of a kind of, like, comic strip serial, let's see where this goes, um, than mm-hmm. this, which ha- was, like, clearly plotted from the beginning and, like, clearly was built as a narrative with mm-hmm. a lot of forethought. Um, yeah. But there is kind of something... It was just that kind of magical feel that I haven't had in a while of, like, ooh, click to the next section. Like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> like, kind of yeah. like exploring space. There's also cool, funky religion cult stuff in it, but I feel like it's very hard to talk about without spoilers. Yeah. It's We're also- so inconsistent with whether or not we do spoilers. We have no consistency. Guys, I'm so sorry. We just like, we're we're not. The thing is that we're not actually, we're just kind of winging it here. So... Uh, this is our book club, and yeah. you get what comes out. <laughs> given, the, given the reputation of most book clubs that I've heard of, at least we mostly talk about the book. So we do, we do. We did not used to remember. We've gotten much better. That's true. We've gotten on better at not going on tangents. I feel like. I feel like we went on tangents more when there were more of us on an episode and when we used to record in person. Definitely easier under both those circumstances. I think remote recording has taught us some lessons, but I really can't wait to go back to in-person recording. I miss it so much. I do miss, like, (laughs) sitting around the table with you and Caddy and shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, And just, like, being ridiculous. So much. This is not to leave Eunice out. Eunice just does not live in the same city as us. So I have one day we'll get Eunice up here too. Once it's safe, she'll come up and we'll do a recording all together, and it will be great. It would be so fun. But yeah, there is there is some very interesting like religion, sort of mythology, kind of culty stuff. Um, 
And it's also one of the things I think that gets left like a little bit, a little bit up in the air, um, which is interesting. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of loose threads in this book and not all of them necessarily get tied neatly together. And they kind of actually have come to appreciate that and to appreciate that we don't get this neat package with all of the information because um, I think it's very, it's very representative of what like, being well being a person but particularly being a teen is and you're just sort of like making your way through the world and you know focusing on what is interesting to you and not being able to ever have the full picture um and it's kind of cool it's definitely cool um folks there's really no reason not to read this one because it's literally available on the internet yeah i should Um, just read it on the internet and then um buy it because it's beautiful I actually read part of it in hard copy and then part of it on the internet um, because the one thing about it in hard copy is it is gorgeous. It is also very heavy. Music. <laughs> it's, it's quite thick. It's a graphic novel. And I tend to read like in bed. And I also often tend to read in bed with one hand because I have a cat who's demanding to be pet with the other hand. Mm-hmm. And this is a hard book to hold and read in one hand. <laughs> Yeah. So I read part of it on my phone. Well, I read it online and I want to read it in hard copy now because I interact yeah. very differently with books. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, this is On a Sunbeam by yeah. Tilly Walden. And it is sweet. It is sweet. It is even tender. <laughs> Just like a good cake. <laughs> and it's layered <laughs> I'm very funny <laughs> you are extremely funny I also have uh, a cold and my voice is like Sam Elliott that's fair mm-hmm. I have just constant either dryness or allergies that cause similar things so Enjoy our gravelly voices, folks. Indeed. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at tefferbear. And I'm at thebalesosaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Uh, the more also includes our undying gratitude. Mm-hmm. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stutchberry, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. You guys are the best. You guys are our ship family. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. And actually their new project, The Faux Pause, which is maybe what we should start linking at this point, um, uh, just went on tour and it was super nice. Just like a little nice. mini tour. 
Also, excellent new name. That's delightful. They're really great people. I know I talk about them a lot, but like I have known these Andrew and Noah since they were like six and eight playing music all over the place, and I love seeing how they have grown. That's delightful. This episode was produced by Tepper Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.